Welcome to the Kids Like You and Me podcast. We're here with Eric Friedel, aka Eric Oblivion of Goner Records, a record label and record store based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Also the host of the annual Goner Fest Music Festival. Eric has played in The Oblivions, The New Memphis Legs, True Sons of Thunder, Bad Times, Dutch Masters, Sector Zero. Um, I'm going a little bit for further back here, but I, think I read it's in the exact tones, which later became a different band called the Dam Builders. Uh, Eric is also the author of the Wipeout fanzine. <laughs> so I went a little bit further back in my research, but I'm sure there's a bunch of other shit I forgot. But uh, how you doing, Eric? I'm good. That's 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 more than everything I did. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I found some of those recently, but I just got that Sector Zero seven inch, and that was pretty sick. Yeah, that's a that was a fun band that uh, me and Zach were would goof off and and write songs, and then we'd uh, try to do a show, and we'd pick up a different drummer um, for every show. So we've had Jay Retard was a drummer on that record. We've had Billy from Jay's band was our drummer. He's an amazing drummer. Uh, Nick from American Death Ray was our drummer for a while. And all these drummers made us sound really good. Because if you've got a good drummer, basically, you could have a good band. If your drummer's not so good, it's a lot harder. So we, we had the benefit of that. That single turned out really good. Jay, Jay did some great drumming. And he had some uh, effect he just found called the baseballs and so we played through the baseballs effect and we were really excited about that i have no idea what it did but it was really fun to think about the baseballs yeah, yeah. i think it was a bass effect but we didn't play bass so you know we just used it ah. it's probably a fuzz pedal yeah oh yeah man so you guys you guys experience a lot of snow out there and Memphis. We're, we're from boston so it's almost like looks like it's a little bit like boston right now in memphis yeah it was and then it turned 70 degrees on my tuesday or whatever monday or tuesday uh and just disappeared so um yeah it was but we don't get snow i, I lived in boston right. for a couple of years and a year and a little bit and um yeah memphis doesn't know how to deal with snow it's it's a trip <laughs> so no one can ever go sled in or anything. So it was fun for the kids. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about uh, how you got into like this kind of shit. I mean, I know you get that sure in a ton of like interviews, but how you got into kind of like underground music. So we like to talk about a lot on sort of the podcast and I don't know, like where you were or whatever age you like went from perhaps listening to just top 40 to, or whatever else in between to getting into the kind of stuff that, you know, a local, like a local show or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. Cause uh, I was growing up and I really loved top 40 stuff. I just, I, I mean, I don't think I thought about it like that. It was just what uh, mm. it was just the radio. And I was just really into the radio and then I got into like Dr. Domeno was like weird music, you know, funny novelty songs or whatever, but it was different. And you start realizing that there's more stuff out there than is on the radio, but 
I didn't have older, you know, some people have older brothers or, you know, your uncle is into some cool stuff. I didn't really have that. So I kept looking for other stuff, but I didn't really know how to find it. And the sex pistols were coming out and you hear these stories about, you know, oh, it's not even music and the punk rock was happening, but there's, I couldn't hear it. So you just see these newspaper reports and I'm thinking, man, this is, this music is going to be so great. It's not going to sound like any of this stuff that I'm listening to. And then I heard it and I was like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I just thought it was going to, I don't know, it was like alien bleeps and bloops, you know, or something just completely different. Um, and it sounded like rock and roll, you know, enough to me that I was like, okay, I, I, I get this. But I still was just always, that sort of planted the seed of just like looking for something else and trying to find something different. And then, you know, eventually junior high and high school, you run into people that know about something. And we used to go down to the library we had like lunch break or something the the basement of the library at school some you know hip librarian in the 70s had bought all these cool records for the school that no one ever listened to there were all these just weird experimental um records and stuff and you're like okay you know gives you some west coast pop art experimental band and Oh, all these shit. kind of beat poets and, and all these kind of mm -hmm. weird stuff, William S. Burroughs stuff. And you're like, okay, there's this stuff out there. And, you know, it just starts growing. Some kid brings a crass cassette to school and you're like, oh, oh my God. And I remember <laughs> some guy handed me these headphones to hear Black Flag for the first time. And I went, ah, you know, it's like the whole world kind of inside those headphones is a whole different reality, you know um so it just was just this weird thing where you know you just start looking little places and you know eventually you start finding stuff but it wasn't it wasn't as accessible as probably other towns by the time i was 12 or 13 i was in hawaii and hawaii didn't really have that much alternative stuff um what hawaii did have was a bunch of hippies had moved to hawaii in the 60s and then turned into new age uh like crystal loving you know mellow people and dumped weird records so you did find a whole bunch of really weird records um sun Ra records and moondog and all these just bizarre kind of uh hippie records so when we were you know we didn't have any money and we would buy cutouts we'd buy funkadelic cutouts because they were like three bucks and all these records of people dumped that no one cared about anymore that were just whacked out, you know. So that was fun. Um, easy way to find out about different stuff. Um, were you going to shows at that time? Not really, because there really weren't shows, you know. There there was um, not, not until later when um, we started having the band. I kind of joined the band later, but um we would go there were punk shows and stuff um there was a pretty good punk scene in hawaii it was really small but um it was good and then all the bands kind of for whatever reason like 
gothic I, I imagine it's like this in florida too like there's a big goth scene in hawaii i, I think because it's so radically different than what you expect you expect everybody to be in aloha shirts open to the navel you know and and everything and wearing black and white makeup or whatever and trudging around all depressed is like the best you know kind of antidote to the tropical you know mai tai life um so all these bands but all these kids got into like Bauhaus and Joy Division and they were moping around and we were just these you know kids with this kind of pop band that had you know we started out kind of fake punk or something and we were terrified of all those guys and so we'd play these shows at these house parties with these actual punk bands and we would play our songs like a million miles an hour and by that point they were playing them like at 16 uh, you know rpms they were like plotting so everybody really liked us because we were exciting and all these bands were just like duh, 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 taking everything really serious and we were just terrified and you know um so we their shows came later but yeah the, in hawaii shows that could go there were basically on their way to japan or um all the big rock bands would uh end up their tours there because they could just do drugs on the beach for like two weeks. Fleetwood Mac always ended up there and um, that kind of stuff, Aerosmith, um, which I never saw because I hated, at that point, I hated classic rock and everything. I wanted to go see punk bands. You know, Devo came through, I saw Devo and Joe Jackson and kind of mostly like all the new wave kind of acts, but you know, I, I wish I saw all those rock bands now because I'm sure they were just wasted, terrible, you know, shows. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe there's maybe there's live recordings or, or something on YouTube I should check out. But well, uh, what made you want to play? Um, my friends were into it. I always liked music and they let me be a singer, even though I couldn't sing. Um, and you know it was it was fun it was it was fun to to learn songs and figure out this stuff and they were good i mean they eventually you know most of them are still playing music um they were in the band and they they ended up they all moved out to boston to be the dam builders um after a high school thing and i was out there um staying with some friends that i knew that moved had moved out there so we were uh in boston for a year or two um and then everybody kind of uh, the guitar guitar player i think eric masanaga is still in the boston area but everybody else kind of dispersed all over the place mm. so like what what time are you like what years were you in boston um 89 90-ish kind of thing um that band the dam builders got on a german label and they decided that I was going to be their sound man, even though I didn't know how to do sound for like this two month European tour. And I said, it's your tour. You should get a sound guy. And like, you know what we should sound like. So you should be our sound man. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first show was a place. It was small, you know, like 200 people. The board was tiny. And I was like, okay, I, could, I can't mangle this too bad. And then the second show, we were playing in this hockey rink with Urban Dance Squad and Bullet La Volta. And, and 
and this it was in germany and the board was like 10 feet long the sound man wouldn't let me near the board i was like that's fine i have nowhere to no idea where to start with this shit so in in two months i learned how to do sound enough and also everybody figured out that i really didn't know how to do sound um so i, I we got through it it was it was an amazing tour we got to be in Berlin after the wall came down. Um, Berlin when the West Germany won the World Cup. Um, basically at that time the the the, the tour manager had uh, apartments in East and West Berlin. So we got to bop all over there and the tour went into Eastern Germany and um, Eastern European countries and stuff in Sweden and um, it was just a really crazy thing, but uh, that was that was all. We ended up, we came back and um, they had a house in uh, in right on the edge of Medford and Malden, um, uh -huh. and uh, so that I I eventually came down to Memphis after that, but that's where they were staying. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's pretty close. By. I worked. Yeah. At, I worked at a, a Kinko's in Central Square. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah right down from Skippy White's uh, towards MIT um, that I'm, I think is not, not there anymore, but uh, it was fun. I loved walking. I loved walking through Harvard Square, Central Square, going over through all the record stores on the way to, um, I don't know, over by Fenway and everything. Was that around the yeah. time of Galaxy 500? Did you know them or whatever? I didn't know anybody, you know, it was, <laughs> uh, Actually, the only I knew Nuno Betancourt's little brother would come and do um, flyers at a, at our um, Kinkos, and uh, Billy Ruane, who was a kind of legendary promoter, uh, right, was doing shows at the Middle East, and he would pay me in beer to to do his uh, flyers over there, which was wow. great. Except that I worked till like eleven, and shows ended at twelve, so it was kind of like I would drink all the beer that he gave me earlier run over to the the show just to watch you know the last 20 minutes of whoever i wanted to see um but yeah it was it was a blast nice uh were the cheater slicks there at that time i saw the cheater slicks um i saw him play uh with alan paulino i guess um and i think the cheater slicks played with the gibson brothers um right before i moved to memphis so i did see them um i didn't know them or i didn't know anybody you know really um but i, I got to see a ton of great shows at the middle east it was really fun yeah totally um so what made you go to memphis uh i had a friend who uh was from memphis i went to school in la and he went there for a semester and we were friends and he realized he hated LA so he split but we stayed in touch and I did all this stuff and went to Boston and um, came back and wasn't really doing anything and he ended up back in Memphis and he had a, a, uh, a brilliant idea he had been to Chicago to um, see these flotation tanks and he realized that everybody's too stressed out and that flotation tanks are the way of the future so he came back to Memphis his uh, his parents kind of bribed him and, and bought him a house 
to do this business in. And he set up these flotation tanks and then realized, and they were doing fine, but he realized if you're doing this thing, nothing's really happening. It's really boring. And he was really into music. So he thought he could do the flotation tanks and do a record store at the same time. So um, he asked if I wanted to come down and help with his record store. And I said, we had been doing a fanzine and we we're in touch. And I was like, sure, I'm not doing anything. And when I got down there, it was literally like 50 records, you know, was our record store. And Sub Pop was doing their singles club. So people were into that. And um, we had the local radio station ceased operating and sold all their records for like a quarter or whatever. So we bought a few thousand records off of that and uh, kind of started the store. And that was, that was Shangri-La Records. It's still going um, down here. Um, so that brought me to town and um, started me meeting everybody in town and uh, met Greg and Jack through them hanging out in the store and seeing their band, the Compulsive Gamblers play and a bunch of other stuff. But that kind of started the ball rolling. Right. Yes. Yeah. Then you started um, Goner and uh, the Oblivions formed like a few years. Yeah. After that. Yeah. That was like 93 was when we put out put out the Guitar Wolf record and first Oblivion single. And we had just started the band. Um, and, you know, it was we, it was pretty much just a joke band. Um, it was kind of um, I don't know if you know the Compulsive Gamblers stuff, but yeah. It's, uh, you know, a full band. They had a violin player and uh, kind of ramshackle horn section. It was like this big review. And I think Greg and Jack kind of, I mean, I, I love that band, but I think they kind of appreciated um, a three-piece stripped down, you know, kind of the opposite of that as the Oblivions. They didn't really expect that that was what they were going to be doing for the next, you know, five years. <laughs> 20 years of their life whatever it is yeah. um at the time because they were writing real songs with real you know big big stuff and these stripped down really dumb songs that we're writing um they were fun but i don't think we ever really expected it to go anywhere yeah totally no i i, I mean we definitely preferred the more stripped down kind of like raw stuff uh, yeah so, I mean, it's obviously the, stuff, the oblivion yeah. yeah 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 it's it's it was fun you know it's it was a blast because i couldn't play and jack just kind of greg was on tour with 68 comeback as their drummer and he's not really a drummer and they were he was playing stand-up drums um at the last minute the guy that they had couldn't do it so he was off on tour for a month and me and jack were hanging out and jack showed me uh some chords and i'm like okay well, what else do i know he's like that's it don't tell anybody. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I can play that. And, you know, when Greg came back from tour, we were like, we got these songs, you know, we tried to do a show with another guy who was great in practice. And then he'd get drunk at the shows and want to play Jimi Hendrix songs. And like, <laughs> Greg, we need, we need something else, you know, and he had some songs and, you know, we just kind of went from there, but it was fun. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the the label and, and record store you know i know you like you said you started in 93 the record so the record store then came in into the mid 2000s or like 04 well what happened was um 
So I started doing my fanzine um, while I was at Shangri-La and it was just this giant, big, ridiculous, um, I, I reviewed tons of stuff. Um, and at the time- Is that the Wipeout? Wipeout, Is that yeah. the Wipeout one? Okay, yeah. yeah. So at the time, yeah. fanzines were, were pretty happening um, and there were some pretty big distributors for fanzines. You could get in Tower Records, um, they would buy a few hundred of your um, magazine and spread them um, through their stores. And um, it was a pretty, it was pretty fun. You know, you're not really making money, but you get free records and um, you know, you get interviews uh, with people if you know, you wanted them. And uh, I don't know, it was pretty fun. So I was doing that and I was doing the band and I was doing uh, the record store and I um, stopped working at Shangri-La and I was, I started doing just like a mail order out of, um, out of basically my apartment. And um, I had started the website, um, just trying to keep up with stuff and started the bulletin board um, and everything kind of tied together um started started then started putting out records and you know i had I, I since i was selling my own records i started selling other people's records and peg from the gories had some records that she wanted to sell and that brought people to the site and i don't know it just kind of kind of um everything kind of came along together and so i was doing um this mail order um in the early you know late uh 90s early 2000s and then um uh my friend zach ives was in dc and moved back to town and was looking for something to do and you know we thought well we could open up goner as a store or open up a record store we weren't really sure that we were going to keep it with, as goner because goner was already established but it seemed um like a good idea to use whatever momentum we had already um but i had been selling records out of um you know, like I said, out of the apartment. And um, Greg had a store called Legba Records in the space where Goner is now. And he was moving with his wife to North Carolina um, in Asheville where he is now. And he said, man, you should take over the shop. It's, you know, set up as a store, you can do it, you know. And it's just kind of another thing. It just fell into place, um, seemed to make sense. And we just did it, um, started a store for real. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was great. For a while, we were basically the place to get a lot of, you know, the garage underground type of stuff. Um, and the bulletin board helped and being in a band and, and bands coming through Memphis a bunch you know, you got to kind of meet people and see bands and stuff. So um, it all it all kind of kind of happened naturally. I kind of wish we had capitalized a little bit more on on stuff in Memphis. You know, there's tons of I wish I put out the American Death Ray records and I wish I could have put out more of the retards records. Um, but at the time, it just I never knew if I was going to have enough money to do the next release. I couldn't promise anything to anybody. Um, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't want to get in a situation where I had to um, let anybody down or whatever. So um, 
luckily all that stuff happened and and it went on good labels sympathy did a lot of uh, the stuff or in the red and um, empty records picked up the retard stuff um, so uh, yeah and then we opened up the store and then we started doing the um, festival in the same year 2004 and that was kind of based on the oblivions reunion that we had done i think the year before um which was kind of a big magnet for people to come to memphis to see a show and we kind of realized that people wanted to come to memphis it was kind of exotic in some weird kind of way some kind of rock and roll you know um legendary ground uh, and also it was just fun and cheap and and people people were up for it and the oblivion show was nuts as oblivions of cheater slicks it's a packed house completely you know ten thousand degrees in there and people going bananas um so that gave us the idea that this thing we didn't really expect Gonerfest to work on the same level but it sort of did and it sort of hit the ground running and you know we've been doing it ever since yeah well no, I'm, I'm glad that you that you are and that you've you know, especially now, even during like the pandemic that you, you've been able to survive, but uh, we've been uh, up until, you know, obviously this year, uh, we went to Gonderfest for the last five years in a row. And it's just always a, like a real trip, like trippy thing for us to be down in Memphis and yeah, in the best. store and it's just mind blowing. That's really. cool. It's cool. Yeah. We try to, you know, it, it is cool. It's like a, you know, it's it's cool that people want to come but it's like it feeds off of other people being there you know you get to see you know the bands hanging out and the fans that are coming every year and you know it's it's just so great that it just works out that way um we've been lucky that you know the people that want to come kind of come with the right attitude of just having a good time you know we don't have fights or people getting too drunk and you know, yeah, very stupid, social. Or, you know, yeah, it's, 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 I've cursed it. So something bad's going to happen, but um, <laughs> uh, in general, you know, it's, it's always been a, a good time. And some, some years we didn't know how we were going to pull it off. Um, and we've, you know, we've gotten by on the generosity of the fans and the bands really, it wouldn't work if people weren't excited to be there, you know, bands will play it um, for, you know less than they would normally just because they want to see the other bands playing i mean one year we didn't have enough equipment so uh the cola freaks were on tour from denmark and they backlined basically the whole festival with their rented gear you know um and just just tons of tons of great stories of just you know getting by on like i said the generation that had the generosity of uh, of everybody were people coming from all over from those very first years as well? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the first one was a total trip. So we were putting out King Louis' one-man band, Chinese Crawfish record, and the King Con and Barbecue Show record. Um, and we were like, okay, we're putting them out at the same time. Um, let's have a you know, let's and King Con and Barbecue were on tour. So we said, let's let's do Louis on one day and King Con and Barbecue on the other day, um, and we'll call it a festival and we'll put Memphis bands on on the bill, and that'll be like a funny thing. 
and people really got excited about it. We had no idea. And the Black Lips were on tour with King Conrad. Like, okay, wow, this is something. And we got uh, Jack to do his Johnny Vomit and the Dry Heaves, who had never played a live show. And we just got realized that this thing, you know, could be really fun. But it really didn't hit me until we, I was driving down the street and I saw this guy walking. I was like, that's Frederick Zanuto from Italy, does Solid Sex Lovey Doll. I was like, he came all the way to, like, and we were in, we went to this restaurant and we're sitting next to him. And like this, these people behind the counter are like, you came from Italy to go to a house like two blocks away to see rock and roll, you know? And we're like, yeah, that's where it's happening, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But that's, I'll, I'll never forget that, you know? It's like he came, and it's, it's just like anything, the people that come from Australia and New Zealand or wherever, they have the choice of where they want to go and they want to come to Memphis. And that's so awesome that, you know, that they want to do that. And it just made such a big impression on me from the start that he would come halfway around the world to see this thing. Yeah, you get a lot of Australians too. They love it. And Australians <laughs> are good people to have around. They're, they know how to have a good time. They want everybody to have a good time. You know, you can't go wrong. Yeah, it's true. And one of my favorite things is a lot of these bands too, we'll catch them in our home in like Boston on tour. And then they'll still, and they'll also be on tour. Uh, you know, they're playing Goner Fest yeah. and whatever. Like we saw mutants at like a house show right um in boston and then you know oh wait no i'm thinking of uh it was trick race uh, i was thinking of uh carolyn's band uh that uh they they played at like a warehouse in boston and um and then they played the same like a week later at goner fest right and yeah. every year too it'd be like knots would play like it was like four, three four years in a row where on the same like i, I think like goner fest was like their tour kickoff or something then they'd play in boston it was just always cool seeing those you know on the same tour it was just always really cool it just yeah, made when, it feel smaller you know <laughs> yeah when when the last oblivions tour when we were in europe it was like i got to see all the people from Goderfest except in their towns you know so it was like instead wow. of them coming to me i was going to them that was awesome that's so cool yeah it it's you know it's like it's always hard to kind of describe it to, as like a visitor you know or like an outsider going down to memphis it's hard to describe it to other people because they like you know it's like it's like it's this big festival that's bringing all these people bands and fans all from all over the globe but you know it sounds like oh you're at some like big festival it's like no you can be at a place like yeah, murphy's like where, <laughs> you know i mean yeah, yeah. you're like it's like you're stuffed into this bar and you're seeing like you know, you could be seeing like Giorgio Murder or something like that, you know, it's, right. just, it's just wild. And you have all these bands that, I mean, I mean, there's obviously like the headliners, like the mummies, but a lot of these bands, they're, you know, fairly obscure. So it's, it's just like, it's really wild that you have all these people from all over the globe that are there to see them, you know, to see like an, an obscure band, you know? Yeah. The, the, the point is kind of, you know, that really there's, usually like 30 bands 35 bands and there's probably only you know the headliners there's maybe eight bands that people know and i guess that brings in the majority of the people but you also know that there's just going to be tons and tons of great bands it's kind of the smaller right. bands 
that are really the point. You need a headliner to kind of make it feel like you're doing something important. But the best bands are always the, you know, little bands that you didn't know about that are total surprise. No doubt. Um, yeah. You know, I hope the mummies are going to be good. You know, they're great. But, you know, you don't know this band from Denmark that just, you know, you never even seen their name before and they just smoke you know so mm -hmm. it's fun yeah it's been a great resource for us for like finding out about new bands cool yeah and, and older bands too as well um yeah yeah it's crazy because like even like the last fest i'd never um i didn't know who moto was and they're based they're in new hampshire now just you know stayed over and like so I, started, I was like, all right, I started seeing Moto at show, you know, at shows, and like we booked, we asked them to play a show, and they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, it's like I saw you at Goner Fest, and they're like, oh wow, shit, okay, and like, you know, I mean, it was, right. it was just cool. It's like even stuff that's like in our backyard. Like we've even met people that, like our friend Tom Chapman, I don't know if you know him, but he's from Boston, and like we met him down at Goner Fest. Right. It's just wild. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. I mean, it's really about all the, you know, the people coming together and doing it and seeing the bands. And, you know, it, like I said, if, if people had to rely on just getting a paycheck for the gig, it wouldn't happen. You know, it, we, we can't afford, you know, the, the price of lots of bands. We don't have the sponsorship. And, you know, everybody just wants to be here. It works out. Yeah, it looks like it's a it's a pretty big like undertaking to put on this this festival um, with all the shows, uh, you know, with like people that yeah yeah just logistically for people that don't know it's like really a what I mean it's a few days of several like long day shows and then uh, the night shows and my favorites are probably the after yeah. party. <laughs> but uh yeah right. i guess so yeah, yeah. so it's, how do you do it i guess is like the the the, the simple or uh, the, right. the succinct way of asking you like yeah i guess how do you uh how do you put it all together well i mean we 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 basically um did like the first one we we put together the night shows and then people started booking day shows, you know, in the afternoon and that's fine. Except that you start getting people booking crappy bands and you're like, okay, well, you know, we could do this and we could have actual good bands. Um, so it's sort of like a control thing. And then, you know, we, we book, um, you know, it's just like, when do you stop? Um, but like, you know, Hozak, Horizontal Action Festivals had done this kind of thing. They'd book day shows and, and the nighttime thing. So we kind of had a had a model somewhat of how other people had done it. Um, but we did, so yeah, we booked like six bands at night and then the afternoon shows are anywhere between, I don't know, like four bands on a Friday night uh, afternoon and then a Saturday afternoon is like 10 to 12 bands with two different stages um and then we do opening and closing ceremonies and then we let the after parties are booked by other people but yeah those go after the shows end at three um so that's like three to six or something like that um 
when the legs played at the lamplighter after party, it was like 5.15. And I was just like, oh my God. It yeah, was, we were there. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was it was Tiresome. crazy. It was, it was a great show. It was really fun, but it was really late. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just like nonstop. And then we started booking studio tours. You go tour Ardent or uh, Royal or Stax. Um, and uh all this kind of stuff uh uh phillips we did phillips we haven't done stacks but uh um yeah we just kind of make it you know it's just like we get carried away with all the stuff that we can do and then just kill ourselves making it happen um but in general like we've, we've got enough volunteers we've got enough of a system now that we sort of know what we're doing um the first ones we would get so excited we just get so drunk like me or zach would have to take a night off it's like man i i blew it out last night you got to cover tonight for me um you know uh we learned our I, you know we learned how to pace ourselves and um how to how to make the festival work through volunteers doing some of the work we don't have to do the job of being at the door paying the bands introducing the bands all that kind of you know um so until last year, which was we kind of had to invent our virtual festival on the fly, and that just about killed us too, without even having to deal with live bands. It was just mm. we were on the air for like 12 hours a day for three days straight. And you know, we we were not ready for that. We pulled it off, but it was like learning as we went, and it was pretty grueling. Um it was really yeah. fun and I think people really enjoyed it, but it was, it was like really nerve wracking. No, thank you for that. It felt, it felt like we were there. It, it was the cool. next best yeah. thing, the closest thing to being there that you could get. It's awesome. It's, it's, uh, I'm really glad that it worked. You know, we were really, it was another thing where we really got by on, uh, people's generosity with like we had, obviously didn't know all this stuff was going to come down and people had bought tickets already. Um, and we gave them the option to, uh, you know, get a refund or put their money towards a future festival or let us use that money to try to put on this festival. And there had been some other online festivals that we had been a part of trying to get bands together or whatever, but none of them had paid anything. And, having that money available to us to offer people you know hey we'll give you a couple hundred bucks to do this thing really made a difference i think because especially at that point people didn't really know about this stuff and being able to pay your buddy to film it and not do it off your phone or something it just made it a lot easier and it made it go a lot better i think um and you know people showed up same thing you know people in australia with the 18 hour time difference we're in there and you know um yeah. it was it was fun I, you know i we're we're trying to figure out what we're doing this year and things have changed even from then you know now these live streams are kind of i'm a dozen and um we're not sure how we're going to do it if we can do it um in memphis on a small scale outside or if it's going to be online or how that's going to, how that's going to work. I mean, we've never gone this long without really having, you know, by this point, 
the festival is kind of planned in general because you have to have bands on tour to get here and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and this year it's getting a little dicey. It's back to uh, uh, figuring out as you go along, you know, so. Uh, how, how is COVID we're, down we're, there? We're, yeah, people in Memphis don't like to be told what to do and uh, they like to do their own thing and they're a little bit crazy and that doesn't really lead to good uh, um, public safety and health sometimes. Uh, we're lucky that Pfizer is actually developed in Memphis. Um, oh, wow. Their vaccine, I think, is being made here. So we do have access to the, the vaccine, um, but it's been kind of chaotic rolling out. I'm sure like a lot of places, um, but... Uh, we're getting there it's uh this the city is not doing as good as we should be um but we've never really gone into a lockdown that kept people from you know really going out and shopping or whatever they felt like they needed to do um so we'll see i'm hoping i'm hoping things get better quickly but um don't really know yeah, we'd, we'd love to come back down there, even if it was just a smaller scale outdoor kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's like uh, we want to put that on. It's just, you know, like all the other stuff, you know, can you do the after party? Can you do the, you know, you can't really do 200 people crammed into a room that holds 50, you know. Right. Um, you just miss out on a lot of stuff that's a lot of fun you know just so yeah it'd be different it, it's yeah so you know we're, we're trying to figure it out um too much figuring out maybe won't be good but we, we just want to figure out something that'll work and if people do want to come here um you know know what let them know what to expect so you know they don't waste their time and uh you know it's it's a good time for everybody yeah yeah definitely uh i actually wanted to go back a little bit to the uh talk about some of the the bands that i noticed on playing one of the bands that played this year or this past year uh was the celebrity handshake from from portland maine another one that's sort of in our in a, it's in our region i you know, I had never heard of them before. Um, I don't know how you find some of these bands or what's the connection or whatever, but uh, I guess what's like the story with them? So uh, Celebrity Handshake, I've been knowing uh, Will Burden for a long time. He was in a band, Jumping Beans and the Mustaches and Jumping Beans and Willie. Um, we're just like completely... After, after everybody had gotten into really crude garage rock and kind of moved beyond crude garage rock, they decided to do really crude garage rock, even kind of worse than everybody else had done it. Um, and just did Louie Louie and, you know, just like just stuff that people would not even touch at that point. And they're just great. It just unafraid to suck or, you know, just do, they just were doing their thing. And um, I had always sold their stuff. They had their own label. 
and you know they're up in maine or wherever they were at that point and uh you know it's just like i was just a fan of that stuff and so he ended up in celebrity handshake and they started putting out these 45s that were just mind-blowing you know to me um just really chaotic and punk and loose and kind of free jazz and just yeah wide open and and free sounding and uh you know it was it was great their, their thing in goner fest was, was great um but that's one of those things where i just kind of you know been in touch with those guys forever and uh it was really they, they probably could never tour down to goner fest and that's kind of where you know the um virtual festival came you know oh, as perfect a good thing where you get these kind of things you know that would not happen otherwise yeah no that's awesome i just yeah they they were really that was pretty wild uh and like even like uh, it was checking out their band camp and everything it's like you know it's it would like i saw it said like noise or whatever and, you know sometimes you see like bands with that but then it's like i don't know it's like yeah it's like this this isn't noise or whatever but they really do switch it up a lot it really does yeah, get, it's pretty. Uh, gets pretty odd in there. You, it wants to like the the garage stuff in there too. Yeah, it's kind of a mix. The the singer is just complete. Sounds completely psychotic. I mean, yeah. it really sounds unhinged. You know, and I'm just, you know, it, it got my attention for sure. You know, I, I love to hear that stuff when it sounds real. Yeah, so, well, I felt like there was some definitely some oblivions in there for sure felt like there was some of that um looseness (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's fun it's going to be synonymous Uh, with loose (laughs) we're we're never synonymous with tight so yeah (laughs) we weren't we weren't going for the tightest band yeah uh i mean it all as a compliment just uh, of, course, of course yeah we played a icky boyfriend's tribute band so our our standards aren't that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah the, you know the icky boyfriends yeah. is a good one were you at the the goner fest where they played no. did you get to see them so no, that was i think before yeah it was before we went yeah so we booked them i don't know what year it was and you know they're a headliner they gotta be a headliner but yeah. no one knows who they are, you know, and, and I, you know, it's one of those things where you book this thing. I love the Icky Boyfriends, but I have no idea how it's going to come off. And yeah. in general, in general, I mean, there's only been a couple bands that really bombed at Goner Fest. Some bands I was kind of iffy on, you know, you book them and you're like, oh, it'll be okay. And they just blow you away. Like it's like 10 times better than they've ever played. Icky Boyfriends, I knew they were going to be good. I just didn't know how they were going to come across. And they just had the audience in the palm of their hand. They totally got it from the start. That's it awesome. fit in with everything somehow. And, I mean, it was it was great. Um, so, anyway, that was, that was a, a really fun, um, you know, just an example how you throw stuff together at Gonerfest. It doesn't really make sense when you're putting it together, but it does make sense in in real time you know well thank you for being able to do that because we 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 throw we've thrown some festivals around boston and i don't know if we'd have the luxury to you know to you know with our headliners we we sort of 
you know, they're more, you know, they're, they're the band, they're more sure bets, but I feel like, you know, with Goner, you can really take, take some, some chances there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we try to, you know, you got to balance it. You got to, you got to give people, you know, some good solid rock to end the, end the night usually, but uh, you know, in between it can get pretty loose. The, the, the one that kind of was like a, a dividing line early on was we had this French band Chevaux, um that had a drum machine. And at that point, no one was playing with drum machines and it was kind of like not rock and roll, but they were really, I mean, they had a, a drummer as well that played drums or keyboards, I think. Um, and I mean, they had like surf guitar licks, uh, crazy singer and um, a drum machine. And people were just, you know, half the audience was into it. The other half really didn't like it. Um, it was great. You know, it was, it was just, you know, some of that stuff, you just got to throw it in there mm -hmm. and just to stir things up. So, you know, if, if nothing else, people are glad to see the next band, you know, they're like, finally yeah. some rock and roll. I want to hear some loud <laughs> E chords, you know, whatever. But um, there's 35 bands playing the festival. If you don't like, sure. you know, a few of them, who cares? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you're never going to be able to please everybody, but it's like, that. that's kind of the point. You know, you, that's one thing that I really like about, about Garner Fest that there is you know it's a lot of times people might think just like oh like a garage punk festival but they really try to explain to people that there's all these different styles I mean you get like a Quintron or like Benny or something that's you know some of this like weird stuff or you might see like even like a noise band or something or but and then you'll get like the garage punk stuff or the old and some blues stuff and it's just I like that it's like a little bit all over the place you know yeah. just all these different styles yeah, you don't want to go, I mean, you don't want to go too far. You want to kind of keep it together thematically somehow, if it's raw yeah. or something. But, you know, we we have Cobra Man, that's kind of synthesizers and stuff. Right. People are going bananas for them. And, you know, we got, uh, you know, we had Reverend Wilkins play. Uh, it was just kind of like a gospel, kind of straight, you know, rock and gospel band. And, People like that, you know, it's like if it's Dixie presented in a straightforward, you know, yeah, yeah it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, the Dixie Dicks, that was, uh, they played the, at the Murphy's Blowout. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, they were yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> making fun yeah. of everybody at the festival. They were great. Right. It was a great, like, roast, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, can't, funny, if you yeah. can't laugh at yourself, then, you know, what are you doing? So it's good to have yep. those guys up there um doing it and they were they were great people loved them they were the hit yeah absolutely um yeah that was uh i was gonna say um so well how do you generally go about like selecting bands for the fest i mean i'm sure there's a number of ways and like you said before people on tour and stuff like that um you know it's it's we you know we have bands we like on record it helps if we've seen bands you know because we can kind of meet them because it is like a vibe it's kind of a attitude and you know if a band shows up and they're dicks it doesn't help anything you know they might be good on stage but there's more to it than that you know so it's kind of you, you kind of 
kind of go off of what other people have seen. Um, Alec and um, Natalie um, at the shop playing bands that tour and they get to see bands and they'll come back and say, oh, you got to, you know, your chromes are amazing or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So that helps. Yeah. They get to do our scouting because um, I'm not touring and seeing bands as much as I used to. And bands aren't coming through Memphis as much as they used to. So it's tricky, you know, you got to you got to kind of, you know, go off of your intuition and, and uh, you know, people suggest their own band all the time, you know, uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, you got to weed through it and, and figure out what sounds like it'll work and go on a leap of faith um, and then, you know, pay for headliners sometimes. Uh, try to make all that stuff kind of work to to draw in people. When we got the mummies, you know, that was that was amazing, and uh, we always wanted to do it. And then it seemed like it, we couldn't afford it, and um, made it work. And uh, you know that kind of thing. The the mummies was just definitely a a huge draw to the fact the point where we actually had to turn people away. Um, you know, in general, we'd be like loose enough where we could uh you know say yeah we could always get you in but um we have people that came you know live in little rock um big big fans and are just like man i don't know if you should come because i don't know if i can get you in you know and that's that's hard anyway having having a strong headliner definitely helps pump up the crowd um you know but it was a good crowd and they they got all the rest of it too it wasn't like I only want to see Metallica. All these other bands suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you've guys, you've had a lot of some, you know, fairly big names too over the years, like Mud Honey and uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Mud uh, Honey and Cosmic Psychos back to back was just like, oh wow. god, yeah, mm. that was a weekend right there. Was it wild back yeah. then? like the that like 2009 2010 era when the when you know the garage was kind of reaching some level that it seemed like it we were just getting into it then so i, I don't even I, I don't even know if i'm describing that or i might be you like figment of the imagination or... yeah like this when you know jay was around um was that like a a bigger time or we we've managed to avoid you know catching too much of the success of any of that stuff i think it did you know scion was, was doing festivals that were bigger um seems like you know i don't know how much of that actually um we saw i don't know that the festival was really that much um bigger it's it's basically stayed the same really for whatever reason awesome. over the years no 19 of them um whatever we're up to 25 um but uh the uh yeah you know not it, it's it's basically the same it's not like you know all of a sudden people are look at goner fest like that's the one to go to um there was budget rock that was out on the west coast and um other ones that have popped up you know um so there's there's been other things that i think have been pretty um uh, pretty successful and uh you know we just managed to keep doing it which is pretty impressive at one point we 
we're talking about taking a year off in between because maybe this is the year we're going to take off. I don't know. Um, but uh, just because it, it was just kind of hard to keep doing it. So you start planning the next one while you're doing the, the one you're on. And it seemed like it would be better if we spaced it out. But then again, you know, we get really excited about you know, doing the next one. So yeah, it's like, now ah, we're not going to take a year the off. Fans get excited unbelievably. On yeah, the, no, the day no, after it's, it's over. It's crazy. We're already looking forward to the next one. It's it's hard to measure years. I in know. That way. <laughs> I know. I know. So yeah, so we got to we got to come up with something fun. Um, yeah, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how how early do you start planning them? Literally, we have like a spreadsheet with bands, and we just start listing, you know, dream bands, bands that we should check out, bands that said they wanted to do it but couldn't do it last year, all that stuff. And literally, it, that'll roll over one year to the next. So you know, it's it's like you're mm -hmm. always sort of working on it um until this year because everything's been so up in the air you know <clears throat> bands haven't been like hey man we'll, we're we're planning on being at, in memphis at the end of september can you fit us on the festival which is you know how bands get on as well you know it's like we're available we're going to be there you know can we play I'm like sure we'd love to have you um and that no one's touring <laughs> So, you know, right, we don't right. get, we don't have that kind of, you know, uh, we don't have those bands being available or being able to slot in right there so easily. So it's a little bit different. We, we have to do a little bit more work on our end. Right. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to say, sort of going back to like just the general thing about Goner Fest of, you know, people coming all over the globe to come to Memphis. Um, one thing I noticed, we noticed pretty quickly is how many people around Memphis, even if they aren't going to the fest, they're like, oh yeah, we're here for Goner Fest. And they, they know about it. They know what you're talking about. Um, cool. drivers. It's just wild. For us. It, it's so weird because it, it seems very foreign that for like, I can't really picture something like that and, and, Austin, where there's like we, I mean, there's festivals and everything, and even underground ones for sure. And like I one said before, we put on some, but like you know, nobody would if you got into an Uber and you're like, I'm going to this festival at the Middle East, like the Uber driver, unless they're already into that stuff, they might have heard of the Middle East, the they, the venue, but they probably don't know the festival or the band, you know, whatever. Whereas like in Memphis, a lot of the, the people like we might be out to eat and they're like. They write, they know you're a gone. <laughs> they gotta tell sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they know you're not from around there. They're like, oh, okay, you must be here for Goner Fest or something, you know. It's um, funny. Yeah. No, it's, it's 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 a it's a smaller place, you know, and you're you're in kind of, you know, it's like if you were in, I don't know, Harvard Square or something for a week, that people would probably figure out, oh, okay, you're probably here for this thing or whatever. But it, it's just a much smaller scene and hardly anything happens here. So if you get a bunch of people, you know, dressed in band t-shirts walking down the street, you know, right. people know this. <laughs> and uh, we also, right. we also are, we're lucky that, you know, we have friends that are into this kind of thing that 
do write for like the local paper and the weekly and everything. So, you know, people know that Connerfest is coming, whether they're going to go check it out or not. We do get good press um, for that. So, and we've been doing it for almost 20 years, you know, so sooner or later, people notice. Right. You know? Are you in touch right, with the local government at all or whatever? Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, our numbers, um, aren't huge it's not like they, they do a big festival every year um as part of memphis in may which is a big uh they do a barbecue festival and um they bring in you know the red hot chili peppers or somebody to play down by the river um and that's a big deal and our festival is just so small in numbers it doesn't look as sexy to them i'm sure <clears throat> but um and we do get we do get some money from the city, but we're always asking them. You know, it's like we are doing all the work for you. We're you don't have to go to Boston and tell people or tell these guys. You know, Memphis is fun to come to. They're coming on their own because of what we're doing. We're doing the work of the the tourism, you know, right. uh, business. Right. And and they're spending money at other other businesses that don't get tourists in general. You know and we think that we should get a lot more, you know, uh, support from from the local government. We're we're bringing we are bringing money into the city. Um, we've lived. We don't expect it. We we live without that kind of stuff, and it does help what they what they give us. Um, but you know, it, to them it's small potatoes, or they think it is. But you know, we have people coming from Australia and New Zealand, yeah, literally and everywhere. Yeah every year you know and it's 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 really and then they go back to wherever they're from and they talk it up you know it's not like they were a tourist that you know saw sun studios and graceland and then they go home and they're like you know i did our tours where are we going to go next year it's right. like an ongoing <laughs> thing that keeps spreading you know and it's not like five thousand people are going to show up next year but i i really think it spreads uh, a message of Memphis is a place to go to. It's fun and offbeat and cheap and different. And they, they're going to have a hard time spreading that message as well as we can, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely, I, I think a, a lot of the draw for us, you know, is obviously, you know, the festival and the band's themselves and everything but just being in memphis and you know like you said like the, it's like the good barbecue or whatever or uh you know going to stacks or sun or whatever i mean we literally like we'll go to the after party shows get a few hours of sleep get the complimentary <laughs> breakfast that ends at 10 so we can get that few hour window then go to like stacks or somewhere else and then so we're in time for the afternoon show and yeah, it's you like you know you're a lot adopted, but a little time yeah. but it's all part of the fun it's you know it's you gotta go to gus's or whatever you gotta go to you know um lamp lighter you know i mean of course the shows are there too at the after parties and what have you but it's like yeah like you said it's really you are i would hope i would i'd like to think that or wish they could see that, that you know that it really is bringing in money into the to the, the local economy um it is yeah you know yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah that you're talking about like waking up and doing the thing it's it's funny like you, people get there you, you see 
usually it runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, you know, and Thursday, everybody's excited. And it's basically just a nighttime thing. We have an opening ceremonies. Friday, we do an afternoon thing. It's not too heavy. And then there's a nighttime thing. And then, you know, we do Saturday is the, the Murphy show. And that starts at like, we always don't want to start at <laughs> noon, but we keep adding bands and it's like, okay, so that we can fit in, yeah. you know, people can stop at six or seven and get something to yeah. eat before the nighttime thing. It starts at noon and you see people that are just like trudging <laughs> down the street and like, that is a tough day. And that's the start of the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. a long day, you know, and it's like you get your Bloody Mary or whatever. And, you know, it, it, it's always... Murphy show is pretty much the best out of the whole festival you've yeah. got so much going on weather knock 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 on something is always good you know it's fun to sit outside you don't have to see every band um, you can just have fun and talk to people whereas you know at some of the other shows it's harder to talk to people and hang out a little bit and it's just the best but you know it is it's pretty grueling yeah <laughs> it's the best yeah there was a, uh, it was really funny, at least for me, as like an older gentleman as uh, uh, one of the day shows that he just kind of just plopped down on a table and just like, and yeah, he's like, he was like B-side. It was just, he was at the, after a party show at the B-side and I <laughs> just like, oh God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, It'll take well, it out of you, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like a bully, bully rook. Uh, yeah. told us one John, John Perry said it's a pace race not a case yeah. race it's a bench it's a bender uh, it's I mean, a bender not, uh, to remember his words of wisdom but <laughs> no I think it's a bender it's a wait hold on it's a bender not a binge I think that's what he said yeah I think so yeah what a what a, what a either adventure. way yeah yeah <laughs> listen whatever he said listen to him carefully and yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I remember he like I saw him the next day one or one of the I think during the day shows and he just pointed at me he goes you're alive and I was like damn was I not supposed to be alive or something <laughs> I don't really remember quite as much but the night right. before but uh, yeah but that's why trip, it's all gone right <laughs> we had uh, you know we had uh, X X blank X play and the murphy's show and you know it's like these legendary guys from electric eels and all this stuff and it's oh yeah yeah it's 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 crazy to have you know that kind of stuff just sitting outside in a parking lot in memphis um i don't know it, it's just to me it, it's it's really great when i when i stop and just like get outside myself a little bit and go that's really cool you know and to be able to do that that kind of stuff is just so so awesome to me yeah no absolutely electric that was um one of the well that was like a, the first that was the first record i bought at goner uh oh, the goner record store well it was one of them then my first time there i bought uh electric yields um seven inch with the the awesome. bunny one he has yeah yeah I, I also uh it was just a trip and it still is. It's just a real trip for us as being like, uh, you know, big fans of, of uh, the label and everything. Just, just actually going down to Memphis and being in the store. 
Um, yeah. Just like seeing it in videos and shit and seeing all these, you know, having these records and stuff and then actually being in the store is just, just wild. Um, you know, it's funny. One, one thing that's changed was for a little while, you know, we were basically the hub for the garage punk kind of thing. And when a record would come out, you know, we could sell a ton of copies of these records because we were basically the people that were stocking it. And um, when Gonerfest was happening, and this was kind of before the internet really was going bananas, you know, people had to go to a store still to buy the records. And so Gonerfest was like bringing all our customers, like they were all our mail order customers. And they was like bringing your mail order customers into the store. So people just okay. go bananas and just like, you know, here's my stack of 30 records. I'm buying because I'm in person and I can take them back home rather than ship them or whatever. And that's changed. I mean, records are much wider, more widely distributed than they used to be. And, you know, Slavni does mail order and um, uh, uh, Total Punk is going and all this, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm friends with all those people and I, lo I love their, their mail orders and stuff. It's not like, um, I wish it was still like that, but it's just different, you know? So now Gonerfest is not like, you know, the biggest rings of the year uh, at the cash register, um, like it used to be, um, but it's different, you know, it is, but it is still like you get all these people in seeing records that they don't have in their hometown for sure. And buying records in person is always, so it's, it is, it is really fun. Yeah, definitely. I I would uh I'm curious what you think as far as like you know, running a label and record store and just being into records for you know all, all over these years. As far as like people getting into music, you know, of course with the internet, there's you know you can get find out about so much stuff like quicker and and just even just there's just so much stuff out there. How do you think that compares with say like just you know, in, in prior pre-internet days, like going to a record store or like a zine or something or, or like whatever else, however other way people got into music, you know, I don't know, do you think one is better than the other or just pros and cons? And Yeah, I'm, I'm of many minds. Some days I feel like, you know, it's too easy to find out all this stuff and <clears throat> other days I'm, you know, glad that people know about it. It's, it's right. You know, um, they're, Growing up, it was so hard to find out about anything weird, you know, and you really had to work for it. And when you bought a record, you know, you were stuck with that record. You paid your eight bucks or whatever. And you're like, I, I like two songs off this thing. And, you know, eventually you, you get around to the second side and you're like, I actually like those songs that uh, are on the second side that I hated because you were stuck with these records, you know, it's like, that's all you had you or right. you had whatever was on the radio and you're tired of that so um you used to look at magazines and read the descriptions and these things and you're just like all right i'm gonna send it off and you know the, it, it was the the standard thing was allow four to eight weeks for delivery so two months later you get your sonics record that you just read about and you hoped it's as good as they describe it or it could be some mediocre french band that they wrote up in the same way as the Sonics. You have no idea because you've never had a chance to hear that right. stuff. So 
it was more exciting. It was really hard. Um, I think people, you know, really are very defensive of the bands that they had, they found out about that it was so hard to find out about them and, and everything maybe in ways that people aren't now, but at the same time, I mean, I love being able to check a band out that, you know, I've never heard of. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really don't know how kids coming up now um, view it or, or, you know, everything is available all at once, you know, um, and it's, I, th I think it's cool. It's just that there's no kind of progression of like, I mean, heavy metal now is like, oh, now I heard punk. Now I think I like punk or whatever. I'm going to be into this for a while. I think it's just, it's just a bombardment of everything all at once. And good point. You know, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it'll probably lead to some really weird music. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's a uh, short answer, I guess, is, you know, it, pro, there, there's good things and bad things about both, um, both things, you know, at the same time, things move so fast and you don't live with bands or whatever. Everything is coming out all, all the time. And, you know, as opposed to sitting at home and listening to your record over and over again, and just staring at the cover and memorizing the thing and, you know, hoping to hear some news you know, I was watching. I was watching the uh, a guy from Sparks read poetry last night, and I was thinking, man, if I if I would have traded for some videotape to watch to look at the guy from Sparks doing his shopping or whatever, you just never had a chance to see these people in bands do anything. You know, you All just right. had a picture of them on a record or in a magazine. You know, there was nothing else, and now. Now you could go, you know, find some footage of Mick Collins walking down the street that some some guy found. You know, it's like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the mystique is still there. The mystique was there while I was watching um, Ron Mayall read this stuff, but um, I don't know. It's it's totally bizarre. You know, it's pretty um, crazy because. So yeah, it's it's yeah. We we came up around the time of like I remember posting on terminal boredom uh this was around 2010 and my favorite bands were jay ty and black lips i didn't know really any of the 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 more obscure stuff below that so then i was just professing my love of all those bigger bands at the time and people were shitting on me so much and <laughs> I, I get it now because you know i didn't have the full i didn't have that richness of of the stuff that came before it or local scenes, all of that great stuff that I think you, you learn about as you go on. But some, some people are very, uh, just, um, I don't know what the word is. It's interesting though. Yeah. Well, I'm in, I'm in this Facebook group for no wave and it's really interesting because they've got like these people that were there and basically invented it that are in the group. And then they've got these people that are like, that know all about it. That, and then they've got these people that think they know all about it. So they'll get these people that come in and they're explaining how it was in New York's Lower East Side in 1978. And so he's like, 
you weren't there. We were there. You know, don't don't lecture to me, you know. And it's awesome, it, but it's just people just love to explain stuff to everybody else. And <laughs> usually the people explaining everything don't know what they're talking about. You know, the people that know don't talk that much. Um, but it's it's fun. And it's the same kind of thing. You know, you're into the scene and you, you get all excited about all these bands. And there's always something else. There's always, you know, uh, some other bands and everything. And it's fun. It's fun finding out about stuff. It's also, you know, it's not necessary to know every band that the, you know, bass player from, you know, Electric Prunes ever played on. You know, right. it's just, it's just, you can enjoy music without knowing all that stuff. So, um, you know, and you got to have a balance. And I right. think that's the case in a lot of, a lot of scenes. You know, yeah. Uh, What's it like um, in Memphis scene? So we, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, right now, just um, throw it out there right now. Well, I mean, well, I guess maybe pre-COVID, or I don't even know. Maybe now. You know, I, I I don't I don't get out as much as I used to, but in general, Memphis is small enough that everybody kind of gets along and uh, supports their stuff. If you've got a band and you're good, or you know, you got a good attitude. In general, people people support you. It's it's really good like that. You know, there's, you know, it, it seems like, um, I don't know. People people with more of an ego probably go somewhere where there's more gratification for their ego. Um, you know, if you wanna if you wanna be a big shot, you go to a, a bigger town. Um, and Memphis is kind of a good medium where it's you know, you can get by um, pretty cheap and, and do your, your art or music or whatever you're doing. Um, at the same time, people are pretty, I mean, they're not, they're hard to impress, which is kind of good. Um, a, a lot of indifference, but you know, you go to, um, you, you have to, you have to be, there, there is a standard in Memphis where, you know, you just, people don't just suck. Um, you kind of have to have your act together somewhat. I mean, they don't, they don't tolerate just people faking it. So um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird um, in that respect. And that, I guess that's why good bands have come out of here. In some ways you get to develop in a vacuum where people don't really, you know, there isn't like a scene that tells you you should be this way or that way and you're not good enough um and people don't really care um and you can kind of do your thing until you're good enough at the same time there is a standard where you're trying to be good you know the whole time and not just sitting around going man i'm in a band i can smoke weed and you know lay around and i'm cool you know it just doesn't really cut it so um it's always been good you know i've always people are always friendly and people love to drink and that's uh, a good thing for bands as you're learning to have a drunk audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so what's, what's happening currently like with the, the label and uh, record store, as far as like any like uh, newer releases, I saw there's a uh, Michael beach. Yeah. Michael beach records really good. It's a little bit, you know, kind of, kind of, um, I don't know, melodic, 
looking pretty rare. It's good. Um, we're working on a GT record, which is probably not as melodic and kind oh, of more that's an amazing punk rock. Band. Yeah. So from uh, Australia and um, we're working on uh, uh, another Aquarian Blood record this kind of freaky folky psychedelic stuff um we're doing these fred reverend fred lane reissues that are kind of like this kind of dotted uh guy from uh, alabama tuscaloosa alabama in the um 70s put out these records that came out on shimmy disc and they're i don't know if you know that stuff at all but um really bizarre stuff he put out a new record on um feeding tube last year wow. that kind of picked up right where the old ones did and uh um we're excited to put put these records out again i have no idea if there's an audience for them or or how they'll go over but uh um it's one of my favorite favorite uh performers and the idea that we could put them out is is great so um that'll probably be coming in the in the summertime um, and we're working on some other stuff too, um, some Australian bands that uh, haven't finished their their uh, recordings yet. And uh, I don't know, but uh, I mean, we've we we got to do the Reverend uh, um, Wilkins record was really great, right right before he passed away, um, and the Optic Sync record and all. You know, it's we're kind of all over the place um, doing this stuff um right now and it's kind of fun putting out all kinds of different yeah. stuff you know it, it, at one point when i was doing the label it was um kind of retards oblivions black and white xerox covers you know and uh pretty pretty uh lo-fi garage punk and we did that and that's fun and we'll still still do that if it makes sense but we're not afraid to do something else too you know yeah, definitely. I've been uh, listening to some of the, yeah, it's been uh, uh, quite a variety. Like, yeah, that Optics, Optics Sync record was, was awesome. And yeah, the Bloodshot Bill. Yeah, and, Bloodshot Bill is yeah. killing. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. And uh, that's like a whole new thing. You know, he can deal with the rockabilly guys. He can deal with the garage punk guys, mm -hmm. you know, and just about anybody can hear that and go, this guy is great. Oh. Yeah, yeah yeah definitely and quintron, um, you know quintron's yeah, yeah latest that's right yeah. was full band you know which he'd never really done before um and i mean that was just awesome and the fact that he can't go and tour that is really a shame you know um i can't wait for people to be able to see him playing that stuff because it's killer yeah i was just listening to that uh before we did the podcast uh yeah that sounds awesome um yeah. yeah yeah i'm looking forward to um you know some of those releases and uh you gotta say the barbers so we i was gonna say like uh we're, we mentioned band like girls of the gravitron and like the barbers to people all the time especially every time we're at goner fest and we might be the biggest fans. I'm going to say we're definitely the biggest girls of the Gravitron fans. We're yeah. probably the biggest Barbers fans just because, I mean, literally I've actually listened to the girls of the Gravitron album uh, 
Magnetic Mountain with Glenn. I we've listened to that record. I think more than any other record we've ever listened to in our lives. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. It's pretty. Yeah. Um, and, and the barber is. Uh, yeah. We came across Same. somehow. Yeah. I, I don't know. We, we we sent them to Natalie. But have you heard the 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 hardcore barbers? It's not really quite like hardcore, but I it's don't know. more heavier than. Certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they ever came out or not, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't really know the bubblegummy side of the Barbers because their stuff, at least at first, was a lot more thrashy, you mm. know, and they gradually kind of, or maybe not gradually, I don't know, but the pop side, you know, kind of came out. Um, it was kind of weird because it was, you know, Jay was touring and the Boston Chinks, um mm kind of became his back and and then that sort of morphed into the bar stuff um which was a lot more melodic and you know goofy and then that turned into the magic kids which was super yeah. you know melodic and and poppy uh, but yeah it's it's all it's all over the place those those guys were you know a force of nature um billy and and uh steven and uh and um bennett and everybody that was in the middle of all that stuff um you know for a while it was it was just incredible to watch those kids because they were kids when we first saw them come into the store and buying records and hanging out and um you know it was it was awesome to see see them kind of yeah, they just had out. a lot of fun it seemed yeah. yeah they were they had they they knew how to have fun you know their shows were always a spectacle um they're all really good. I mean, Billy's an incredible drummer. I think Billy Billy did hardcore bands before. I don't know what bands they were, but I mean, he's just so fast and so tight. Um, but, you know, and then him being like the front man for the Barbaras just doesn't yeah. make any sense either. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah, it's just from what I've seen from videos, we fortunately never saw them live, but it just just looks like like pandemonium. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What was Girls of the Gravitron like live? They didn't do, as I remember, they didn't have as much of a show. I although I don't, you know, they were doing another band, Kazalok, sort of right. at the same yeah. time. Um, and that was kind of a more straightforward rock act, as I remember. I think they put more of their theatrical stuff into the Barbers, but I, I might have missed some of that stuff if they did put on some some wilder performances. But the the Barbers stuff was was always a, just a big old mess of a spectacle. Get that vibe. Uh, well, if you you can ever if you can ever give us, I know there was a Barbers reunion. A little while back, uh, uh, and uh, unfortunately, didn't we never made it to that. But uh, if you ever, if you're ever able to get any either of those bands or any of those bands back for a reunion, uh, man, kids I, like I, kids like back. you and me sponsored uh, stage will have the Barbaras playing at Goner Fest. So uh, that would literally be a that'd be a dream come true. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, pay, awesome. we'll pay them big money to reunite. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk it up. We'll get we'll get Stephen, Stephen out, uh, and uh, all that. Yeah. So, 
Um, all right. Well, well, I'll mention it to him. And, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. But some, yeah. some things are like that. You know, you think it'll never happen. And you just keep plugging away. And eventually somebody goes, all right, we'll persistent. do it. Stop bugging me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're just going to ask the question we ask everybody. Uh, when, when do you think uh, shows will, will return? Like people indoor, going out like to actually the usual. being indoor, indoors. Yeah, the usual. What is it, March? You know, I, I would love for it to happen in the fall because that would help our festival. Yeah. I, I hope that's what, I hope, yeah. I, I hope that's what, you know, they're doing shows in New Zealand. They're, they're doing uh, um, shows in other places, Australia. Yeah. Um, I think those people have a better kind of self-discipline or whatever, you know, than we do. And I don't know that it's going to be safe maybe maybe we'll do it anyway because we're american and we demand our freedom um but you know i'm 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 hoping this fall it, that's that it seems like things are moving quickly and and hopefully that that's uh I, i'd like to be optimistic without being an idiot but i i hope that's the case yeah same well uh this was a huge honor for us i guess i can't stress enough, huge uh, Goner fans, uh, Oblivions, Memphis Legs, all the, you know, all the. <laughs> you might be the only yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Memphis I Legs. have the Memphis Legs record. Yeah. Uh, it lasted till 6 a.m. Yeah. So. There you yeah, go. That's yeah, 545, whatever it was. One of my favorites. Yeah. That was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, so we'll let you go. But uh, yeah, this has been great, Eric. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank it was you really so fun. much, Eric. Yeah. Thanks so awesome. much. Hope to see, see you in see Memphis. In yeah, exactly. See you in see you in Memphis in the fall. Awesome. All right. All right. Take, Take care. care.